Listed. I got double guns of seltzer. <laughs> Brought to you by addiction. <laughs> Brought to you. What's, okay, what's your addiction real quick? Let's start the show before we get into like polygon seltzer. and sharding. It's seltzer. I probably drink about six to eight seltzers a day. Oh, Jay Harris has got to put up his phone for his TikTok live stream. That's what. <laughs> no, that's not what's happening. <laughs> we should have a. But you should have a going tally. The amount of times we make up something that Jay's doing, and we just we just put make it out it there up entirely. The, yeah, it's like Jay's late. We're like, oh, he had to go. You know, it's twenty degrees out. He had to go get a car wash or something. <laughs> so, so Jay, what what's your addiction? If his addiction is seltzer, what's yours? What's your what's your I guess safe for um, addiction. Safe for work. Uh, Frosted Flakes. (laughs) Flakes? That is not what I thought he was going to say. I thought he was what? I like blackout because I listened to too much true crime podcast or something. He's just like, (laughs) no, it's Frosted Flakes. That's hilarious. Oh my god, I love it. Like you just you just go through like two boxes at breakfast and you have to like tell yourself tell yourself Jay, calm down, (laughs) sit down, Jay. Yeah, exactly. It's. (laughs) <laughs> Almost a little bit like that, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm that's, into it. That's hilarious. Not, uh, I'd have not, to say uh, uh, Ben and Jerry's fish food ice cream for me is definitely an addiction. And uh, the high I get from like working out, aka also like surfing is like neck and neck with that. Those are like healthy addictions, but like the ice cream, seriously, fish food ice cream by Ben and Jerry's. I could murder a pint of that right now and not come up for air. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay so those are our addictions for and i think our other addictions <laughs> grant always takes it to another dimension you know <laughs> they're always just like hey what do you guys want to do today jay and i are like oh let's do a 5k grant's like we're doing 100k <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's hilarious what do they call those ultra ultras ultra marathons that's an ultra yeah idea. that's almost 50 so 50 miles <laughs> roughly uh but anyways you guys were talking about something cool that i thought was interesting before we got on which is where you guys are finding happiness and that is joy creating and joy and creating and sharing essentially is that does that sum that up yeah i think so i mean jake jake could say that i mean specifically i mean sharing specifically in a way that activates and empowers somebody else i would say for me so like teaching um but the create the content creation that facilitates that because activating somebody else and Jay, Jay probably knows this better than anyone because of how he's crafting his, his like fiction and, and his tellings of stories. You could like, you could tell someone, here's the secret to creating a lead funnel and they get 60 more leads in 60 days, but they will not buy in unless you weave a wonderful story. And so the content creation, the art of telling a story in such a, I call it anthropologically bone shaking. Like the shaman who's like, okay, let me, let me prophesy. And everyone's like, not buying. He's like, wait, the bones are speaking. And you shake the bones and like, throw the, I, I was in a voodoo ceremony in Haiti once and like, and they throw the bones out there and everyone's like, oh, so I call it bone shaking. It's, it's the smoke, not smoke and mirrors, but it's the showmanship that causes someone to engage with something that we all know is true. Mm. You know, I like that part. I do. What about you? Other than I know that you're sneak watching the USA friendly game. It's where they yes. play nice with each other. Aside yes. from that. Who, who are they playing? Uh, the USA is playing Saudi Arabia right now, and they're in Spain. And it's the last game before they head to the World Cup, which will be this November, December. And normally the World Cup is in June and July. And so, yeah. Exactly. Roger Williams, let's go to you and skip soccer. Uh, Roger Williams says, Grant Nadu, you've been on some interesting, interesting <laughs> trips. LOL. <laughs> Both. I can tell you about the time I was kidnapped in India. That was always a fun story. Do you want to share well, that? You have to share it. Now. No, no. We got to talk about, we got to talk about what we're here to talk about. Wow. We're not going to talk uh, about that. Wow. No, no. On Saturday. How about this? I will reserve that story for like a Saturday. We'll do a fireside chat. And one day Jay will tell his story and I'll tell mine. Jay will tell his story of the crypto that ended up with a guy burning up in a car, which is a beautiful story. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I'll tell my story. <laughs> I'll tell my story of being kidnapped in India. And I'm sure you've got them from Colombia, you know? 
Uh, yeah, no, 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 no car burning or kidnappings there, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Uh, what are we talking about, Grant? You want to refocus us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I think you sent us some stuff to talk about Polygon, and it's very... <laughs> Roger, yeah, Roger. Dude, I, I'm with Roger. Too. Everyone wants to hear this story, so we'll have to tune in. Everyone will get their, you'll, yeah, you'll yeah. get your calendar invite for that one. <laughs> um, but no, um, you, you sent us some information about what's going on with Polygon, and it might be the thing to watch. And that opened up another conversation about other bags to watch, but in the shadow of ISO two zero zero five 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 two 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 zero zero two 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 zero zero two two. I, the ISO standards, and I know them in web design, we have ISO standards um, from the same governing body. And so I'm, if anyone's been watching BitBoy, he's got a whole portfolio on ISO standards. And so we could talk a little bit about that. But let's go to some of your updates with Polygon and kind of what's going on and why you're liking it. Are, like you mentioned before we got on, XDC is something you're looking at. We'll talk about that with ISO in a second. And you're like, I'm going to put a couple grand into ISO. That's cute. That's great. Why aren't you talking like that about Polygon, even though it's going through all these updates? So what I want to do is I, I think Polygon is doing some great things. And I don't, do you want to share that screen so you can see it? Yeah, yeah, here, let me let me just open it up here. Go ahead. Yeah, so that way everyone can see it. But basically, the question I proposed to Jay and Grant in our chat was like, Ethereum is great, and it made it through the merge. And now they're just, they and we are all just waiting on the sharding to see how that plays out. Because right now, Polygon is fulfilling a really important role when it comes to especially the nfts using polygon a lot of the nfts that i've minted i've used polygon to cut down on gas fees and as a layer two solution that's the way i normally kind of looked at polygon but polygon has been doing their homework and they've been making some really interesting partnerships and i think strategically polygon is trying to make these partnerships so that way when the sharding happens if the sharding all of a sudden doesn't make polygon as useful in that ecosystem then polygon can kind of do its own thing at least this is my like five cents so mm -hmm. if you scroll down on this post we can go through all the things that kind of polygon has done they mm. and we we could just we don't everyone can go look at this post it's actually on not crypto bros you want to check it out it was put up by blockworks originally and i just reposted it but you know they're getting in bed with some pretty big names so DraftKings, you have gambling National Football League, one of the biggest professional sports franchises on the planet. Adobe, so that's design. Starbucks, coffee. The Walt Disney Company, probably one of the premier people with licensing maybe on the planet. Mercedes-Benz, one of the biggest car companies. Yeah. Meta, obviously, Facebook is the beginning for me of social media. I know that there were other ones before, but I think they were the first ones to kind of get it right. Stripe, huge payment oh. processors. Uh, Reddit which is massive. And then I don't know anything about nothing, but that's just another thing. So the bottom line is they're making, they're making extremely big partnerships. And my, once again, my contextual thought on this is they're trying to do this to get ready for the sharding in the event that they no longer play as an important role as an L2 for Ethereum. That's my five cents, but throw it out to you guys. What are you guys thinking? And then we can kind of talk about price, but just as importance and utility, what are you guys thinking? Jay, initial thoughts? Uh, shout out to Victor. Victor's out here. Just too, too many. <laughs> initial thoughts. Shout out, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> shout out, Victor. That's always my first thought. Victor, shout out to you. <laughs> In fact, someone's going to do a shout out at the end of the show to Victor, guaranteed. 100%. 100%. Um, so but go ahead, Jay. Yeah. Jared, I, I like what you're saying, dude. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, sharding essentially allows for dApps to sort of create, be their own layer twos. Um, and and so Polygon could could be trying to re reposition itself, right? To take advantage of, of you know, the 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 fact that it it may not necessarily have a fit in that particular market anymore. That's interesting. So a point, a lot of those projects you just showed are NFT driven. And sidebar, Roger, I want to know what Black Planet is. If you meant to say Block Planet, 
I'd be interested and be like, okay, maybe I should know about it. If it's Black Planet, it's no, uh, it's a mystery on why I'm not familiar with it. But please let me know what the it first social network <laughs> is because I'm out. And then I want to call this out because we have actual context on this. And I could actually bring someone on the show who is the product manager for the wallet of Flow. And, and they're local here. We could talk about that. And of course, Victor also. Victor is a low key, is low key shilling. <laughs> Victor, Victor has an affiliate link, I'm sure. And it's like his profile picture, just a QR code, which is an affiliate yeah, link for Shido. It's, it's his handle. It's his ADA handle. So a flow versus Polygon. I want to talk about that in a second. Um, but I want to focus on Polygon. When you mentioned this before, um, when you mentioned this before, I, I went and did a little bit of homework and I realized Fun fact, if I were to quiz you guys and say, what layer is Polygon? We'd say it's a layer two. Two. I would say and layer, layer two, but that's only because I'm relating it to its relationship with Ethereum. But without Ethereum, mm -hmm. it becomes its own thing. That's my- Layer zero. Exactly. It, okay. It is. It's the uh, So what we know is like uh, Polkadot and all these others, they're also following this trend. But currently, many of them are, are technically layer two because they borrow security from layer one. They borrow everything and they're really either just doing compiling or pairing or something like that. Shonda's laughing at me. I'm sorry, Shonda. I think she's laughing at me. Oh, um, she's laughing at you. I'm laughing at you. Jay's laughing at you. You're laughing at you. <laughs> So technically, Polygon and all these guys got their start as layer two, but I think you're right. Polygon has been positioning itself for a long time as a layer zero solution, meaning technically what we know is layer one. If they have a few elements, they're technically layer zero and layer zero enables people to create their own blockchains. Ethereum is its own blockchain, so it's a layer one, but what enables someone to build an Ethereum blockchain or their own blockchain? So not only if you actually go to the homepage of Polygon, it's got a whole suite of tools now that allow we could fire up the Not Crypto Bros blockchain and it actually work um, independent of Ethereum. It's not a side chain. It's actually its own chain based on Polygon. And so what you just called out with these projects are all NFTs and they're dominating, dominating with these NFTs. But Flow brings up a really good, Flow, if you actually look up the client list that Flow has, and why, why did I correlate Flow with Dapper Labs? For those who don't know, Dapper Labs was the group that brought us CryptoKitties in 2016, 2017. The first million dollar NFT gaming project that blew everyone's minds. <laughs> Dapper Labs continue to grow and they launched their own blockchain Flow. It's like top 33, top 30 blockchain, I believe. It's fast. It does nearly nearly everything polygon does so in essence flow is also its own layer one i think i don't think it's a layer zero because it doesn't enable other blockchains i don't think but i could stand corrected but they have top shots they have the nft projects for i think uh top shots nba if i'm not mistaken um and if you just bring up their homepage, they have a lot going on so victor uh we could talk more about uh but I do believe in general, Polygon does have a better position because there's so many assets already on the Polygon network and Flow has NFTs on it, but we don't, we're not storing a large value. Have you guys, how, like, do you guys have money on Polygon-ish? Yes. Sharonda no, no. says, I have yeah, no idea. I About did. what, Sharonda? Which one? Go ahead, Jay. I did, but I, no, I don't think I do anymore, no. Yeah, and people are building left and right in preparation for Ethereum to not really take off. So again, I, let me then frame a question. Do you think the sharding will render Polygon uh, moot? Does Polygon, Polkadot, do all these layer twos go away because sharding comes in and turns massively efficient? That was kind of the question that I was working on when I was talking about this, this Polygon and then ETH sharding. If you work under the assumption that the sharding is going to go well, and it lowers gas fees and it makes, you know, the transactions per second, the TPS increase in like, you know, astronomically compared to where it is now or whatever. 
then does Polygon become moot? I, I don't know. And I think what we're really asking is, does Polygon, two things, right? And these aren't always correlated, but sometimes they are. Is it still used a lot by devs and by people interested in Web3 to build? And how is the price reflected with it maybe no longer being as useful or bringing more as, you know, as much utility as it brought in the past to Ethereum? So I think there are two things. Are people going to continue to build on it? And then also, what's the price going to be? And Jay, if you want to, maybe I'll pass that question to you and speak on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm coming in with a delay. I feel kind of weird. <laughs> I think you guys are here with a little bit of a delay. Yeah, I see you shaking your heads. Okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> my, my bad. <laughs> What was the question, Jack? No, it's okay. So, Jay, let me let me let me give you my TEDx talk again. The there's two things, uh, and there is a delay. Everyone, Grant is currently literally in the eye of a hurricane, so he's also the one doing the stream here. So, if it comes and it comes out, we're we're working on it. Um, the question is, when if we assume the sharding goes super well with Ethereum, okay, we're working under that. That's our that's our working assumption. Do people continue to build on Polygon? into the future and also is the price you know impacted one way or the other because i think those are two separate things whether devs are working on it and whether the price is up those are separate things sometimes they trend together but they're separate things so that's my question will people continue to still build with polygon and how will the price be reflected yeah, I mean I think people are going to build on wherever the community is. I, I like what what Roger said like a, a few minutes ago. He said um Ethereum used ETH, the ETH community to build their brand. Yeah, I I I think the devs are going to go wherever the community is. And you know like personally I think we're in the, a moment in time where it, it's ripe, it's the right time for us to see like somebody emerge and, and just sort of be the you know basically the the the, the Google of, of blockchains, you know what I mean? Like that one, that one main chain. Um, it, it might be Polygon, it might not. They, they, they've, they've been in it for so long. We'll have to see. It, Ethereum looks like they're, they're definitely trying to lay claim to some of that with, with all the, the recent developments that we've been seeing. And especially with sharding coming, um, Vitalik says still they're only about 50% of the way there so there's, a, there's still a lot more developments to come out of ethereum but yeah it, it'll be it'll be fun to see who, who comes out on top i'm not sure no entirely but i i think people will continue to use polygon as long as there's a community there and price what are you thinking when sharding comes out how do you think the polygon price is impacted if it is impacted at all yeah th that's the thing i feel like Ethereum probably stays where it is, at least in the short term, and and maybe that that gives Polygon an opportunity to take advantage of these relationships that it's creating, and, and then after that, yes, the the price starts following upwards with with the relationships. Yes, if Ethereum's uh, proof of stake transition was already priced in, as you predicted, Jay. And the price still dumps around like it was up 3% down another five. If it does not gain traction quick enough, people will go where the leverage is at. And if devs, which I do agree with this, devs are first optioning Polygon because it's a bridge and it's its own layer. So why wouldn't we? And this, is, this goes back to something Jarrett keeps saying, and that is interoperability is the, is the sneaky keyword of the next bull run. And I fully agree with that. And by interoperability, meaning anything can be built on anyone. And you guys are dropping some awesome comments. We're going to have to hop on these real quick. Um, but but Jared, or Jay, I, I cannot overlook something you said, which I 100% agree with. And that is as people go where the community is at, but the, where does the community go? And the community goes where the incentives are at. And currently the leverage, I believe, that's just my two cents, but I believe that the incentives if you dump $100 into Polygon versus $100 into Ethereum, how far does it, does it have to go in Ethereum to 2x? How far does it have to go in Polygon to 2x? And that's just a standard trading question if something could have momentum. I think if Polygon, like if you look at the homepages of Flow versus Polygon, 
Flow is fun. You can tell marketers were involved. Polygon, it's like dev central. If they get someone with a, with a visual eye to just brush up the brand of Polygon just a little bit and make it feel a little funner, I think it would absolutely uh, challenge Ethereum. Pass the mic. <clears throat> I, Rhonda. Yeah, before we, and then we need to get into some questions, but I just want to follow on the Please. thread of Polygon Ethereum. I love exactly Please. what you guys are saying. And I actually think Polygon, when the sharding happens, we'll say the sharding happens in June of 2023. I'm not even really sure Jay's saying that Vitalik is saying, hey, it's only 50%. And I, you know, they're, they're totally, it could be less, could be more, but you know, the, the fact is they're not there yet. Whenever the sharding happens, we're going to be potentially in the depths of a global recession. So I don't yes. even think the price is going to be affected. And Polygon's price right now is like 70 cents. I don't have my app open right now, but yeah. it went up to, oh, I don't even know. Hold on. I need to reference this and I need to turn off my soccer game, but I can't do that yet. So I'll look at that in a second. <laughs> I is, can't do that. Yet. I, I can't do that yet. But the point is, I do think that Polygon is absolutely going to explode in this next crypto bull run. Uh, so not financial advice, but I think having whatever amount of bag you want to have and making that whatever percent of portfolio you can, you you know, you can reasonably do with your financial situation, you should be doing. Because I don't think Polygon's going to go anywhere. And the thing you $2. said is really key. Cents. How much? $2.88. Was Okay, that was the all-time high, right? I think Polygon will crack 10 easy next crypto bull run. I mean, I just think it's positioning itself. Once it's, once it's tied into Starbucks... I don't even know, you know, once they're using it on Starbucks and then every single coffee bought with the membership is even one cent or two cent or three cent on Polygon, you're going to need a lot more Polygon. And because Starbucks is using it, other big coffee distributors like it's Dunkin' Donuts or whoever, they may just be like, all right, well, they've already created the roadmap. Let me just hawk it. Let me just hop in. Yeah, put that. You can write that. Take that to the bank. Let's go back to, we got some really good questions here. Yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll just glance at this one, but let's go back because uh, Sharonda's question needs to be answered. We've got a lot of good comments here. I just wanted to mention this yeah. one. Roger, I think Polygon will be impacted more by Bitcoin's price than Ethereum at first. I think it'll, because it's, it's lower cap, mm -hmm. I think it, it'll react first and then we'll have to watch to see if ETH will get sucked in. I do want to shout out, I do like this idea. Polygon gives opportunities to people from other countries that can't pay for gas. Yeah. This, it can't be more true. Same as Tezos. Um, anything that's small cap. And Cardano, my favorite, favorite, favorite Cardano. Um, Polygon, uh, just my boy, just hyping me here, Roger Williams. But where's Sharonda's question? Uh, here we are. Who wants to grab at this one? So I want to grab at this. And what I would have originally said to Sharonda is that sharding is basically the breaking up of information and you're going to store it in different places and come back to it when it makes sense to finally push it through as far as like the energy usage. So that's what I would have said. And I know that rollups have to do with it, but I want to just go to Google and I'm going to read from Google because yes. I think I think in crypto, sometimes I find it's really, really difficult for me to communicate things. Because yeah. we're talking about things that literally in the definition of the new definition I'm about to give you, there's going to be things that then we need to dive deeper on. So it's like when you learn a new language, you because it is a new language, you're trying to learn all these new things, but you're going to come across in the definition of the word you originally asked, three new words you need to learn. And Rolex yeah. is one of those. So it yeah, says, yeah. sharding is the process of splitting a database horizontally to spread the load. It's a common concept in computer science. In an Ethereum context, Sharding will work synergistically with layer two rollups by splitting up the burden of handling the large amount of data needed by rollups over the entire network. Now, I don't really understand rollups as far as the technical and how they're going to play, uh, pardon the pun, a role in the future of Ethereum and how that works. But sharding rollups, we should absolutely dedicate an entire episode to dive deeper into this when we get closer to the sharding. And we'll probably need a good visual because Sharonda, I think it's a great question. Yeah. And it's a question that a lot of people have. And honestly, I don't think anyone who's outside of Solidity or really close to this can probably, without looking it up, give you a really good idea of the relationship between sharding, rollups, and basically the proof of stake blockchain. Because this is all so, so, so new. So great yeah. question. Uh, and if I may round that out a little bit, you said it and I just want to circle it. You said it's the breaking up of information. Sharonda, right now, 
Ethereum was when it first came out factors bigger and better in terms of the size of its block than than Bitcoin. It was revolutionary. But you know how technology moves like our demand for information. So when there's a transaction, it's not just a currency transaction. Jared gives Jay so many cents and that line of code has to make it through this block. But they didn't realize the depth of smart contracts and how much data has to go in. But the block size hasn't gotten that much bigger. A, sidebar, Cardano actually has spent so much time because Cardano worked on this problem for a long time. And it's factors larger. And I think XRP is too. And so sharding is a solution that the Ethereum uh, team uh, teams and devs have come together to say, okay, we need to find ways to get far more data far faster through the Ethereum network. And if you look at the Cardano Vassal hard fork, which just happened a few days ago, um, they're they're upgradable. Part of the reason Cardano took so much time. <clears throat> oh man, yeah, here we go. Boom. This is the truth. Uh, like Cardano and Stella are the machine behind blockchain interoperability. Is correct. One blockchain collided with IoT things. I absolutely believe. When we reflect on this season of the tech growth, therefore the dev developers adoption, therefore what average users like us have access to, they'll look at Cardano and Stellar and go, these guys were light years ahead. Sharding is actually a band-aid solution to a blockchain that can only handle so much data. Mm -hmm. But it's exactly. an actual, it's an ingenious solution. I mean, we can't shake a stick at it. This is why Polygon and Cardano and these other chains really over the medium term, I think, stand a great chance of surpassing Ethereum because sharding sounds brilliant. Let's break up this data and then it recompiles on the ledger and great, we can still function. But you're working really hard to do that when it just happens on Cardano. It just happens on Stellar. And IBM hasn't proven that. I'll, I'll stop on that. On That's what sharding is, though. Um, but we should devote a whole thing on the, the tech of Ethereum for sure. Um, what else do we have here? Unless you guys had more thoughts on that. Jay, do you have more thoughts on sharding and its impact on Ethereum? Uh, no, keep going. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, cool. I think we, we all feel the same way about it. It's, it's like yeah. you're saying, it's, it's a Band-Aid solution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roger mm. does. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jared. No, yeah. Go with Roger and then I'll, I'll follow up. Yeah. So Roger says devs make the community and blockchain because they develop the ecosystem and create the value. But let me ask this, Jared, maybe this is where your head is going, but I'll pose this as a question. What draws devs to a blockchain to make that community? That's a super good question. And I don't actually have the answer as I'm not a dev. Mm -hmm. I, I would assume, you know, I in my mind's eye, the people that are building some of these things like the devs like i think you said something really great and it's it, this takes up a large market share of our conversations the three of us which is like marketing and branding and communicating a message is more important sometimes than the message because you're telling me if i go on flow the ux is really nice it looks inviting it's comfortable and i've yeah. been on polygon and it looks like the internet in like 1998 it looks like i shouldn't be there i feel weird because yeah. i'm not a dev so going to that, I'm, I'm really not sure. And I'm wondering in the back of my, like the back of my mind is saying that there's the devs basically are just following what the other devs are doing, which is not really a great answer, but it's like, if you get on GitHub and you want to start working in web three, you're just going to look around and see where the commit, where the commits are and say, okay, well, this is where people are going. Or the other way of doing that is kind of the way that we talk about being in the 1%, which is the easiest thing, which is 99% are doing this. Let's look at the 1%. Okay, where are the least amount of commits? And let's see what let's see what the benefits are there because maybe they're maybe they're missing something. And I think that that is what happened with Solana in 2021. Because Solana oh, in in 2021 went from $4 all the way up to almost $300. Now, yeah. some of that was speculation. Some of that was re retail investors and bigger whales investing and just people hopping in at the right time. But I do but I do believe that if you were to look back at the commits, you'd probably see that there was probably a good amount of commits on GitHub and things like that. And people were just like, okay, all right, this is, this is maybe where we need to start to put some of our attention. So, but that would be something great to have a dev on to ask them. And I was going to kind of go with the comment here. Go. Oh, what do you got? That really built off an idea I was going to share too, which, uh, Alyssa Gunn, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm butchering your name, I'm so sorry. 
Alyssa Gunn said the blockchain interoper interoper interoperability reminds me of Bluetooth tech in the early 2000s. And this is something I talked about with Jose uh, Pichardo, who was Eve, who was just on my podcast. And that was that Bitcoin was kind of the first blockchain that we were actually able to use and like act upon. And the crazy thing about Bitcoin is from the time the white paper came out to the time the guy bought the pizza, there was like 500 and something days. <laughs> so you had this thing that was basically in a theory for 500 and something days, but it was so mm. valuable that someone then said, wow. yeah, let's actualize this essentially. So wow. my, my point being, we're going to look back and you're going to look back on Bitcoin and you're going to be like, that was such a basic use of blockchain. It was so simple and so well done and people yeah. used it. And then we yeah. built a lightning network on top of that. And then something's going to be on top, built on top of that and so on and so forth. But I yeah. really do think that we're so early in the expansion of cryptocurrency, blockchain, Web3, all of this stuff. Basically, this new decentralized tech, as we're calling it, that in mm. even five years, there's going to be something else that's just going to make, you know, the things that we have now just look silly. Absolutely. Uh, you know, maybe Ethereum will turn out to be like the gateway computers. Right. So there's just <laughs> always going to be something that's going to, because everyone's basically what Hodgkinson has done. And this is probably why you like Ada. He yeah. just took all the failures and all the problems right. that Ethereum had and said, let me fix these and move forward. Because yeah. now we're going to come into other ones as far as scalability, security, interoperability, uh, all these problems, TPS. which is why he spun off. And exactly. God bless Vitalik and the Ethereum team for making blockchain what it is today, hands down. But just from a competitive marketplace perspective, they I know that there's so much hype and we're talking about the GitHub commits and we talked about that for years, but I think a feature of developers and and uh, Olusigan, if I'm saying your name wrong, I apologize. He does call this out. I think it's the vision of the founders, the storytelling and read between the lines, I think marketing. The storytelling and solutions it plans to offer is what I think attracts devs. Hmm. And I think you're right. Um, yeah. As soon as a blockchain um, becomes the institution, remember, this is all about being decentralized and there's a cyber funk spirit and devs love that. But as soon as something becomes institutionalized, there's like a crisis of identity because developers like to be developing the next new thing. But if you're the old thing and you just said it, you compared Ethereum to gateway computers, if they're not careful about their image and their storytelling, the solutions are granted. Like we could solve a lot with Ethereum in all honesty, but developers could easily, like Solana sounded sexy because it was like Silicon Valley meets Reddit cyberfunk. It was like, boom. And for a minute it had that vibe. It was just branding. It had a, it had a vibe. Maybe Flow will have that. Cardano is like the you know the ultimate Bill Gates nerd alert until suddenly they're Microsoft, you know. Um, but that has its own appeal to a certain class of devs. So, uh, Olusigan, please forgive us for butchering your name, but I think this is a brilliant call out. Uh, now, Jay, did you have any reflections on that? That seemed to trigger you a little bit. Any other thoughts on what uh, he was saying? Yeah, I, I'm with it entirely. It's really about the marketing, right? That that's what brings the devs in first. And I think a lot of chains initially, when they start up, that's who they market to, right? It's it's to the devs because these are the people who are going to essentially build this foundation for you. Um, mm. But th then you know, like once you get past that initial step, so eventually you do start getting some users in. And I think who wins out in the end is the, the chain that has the most users. You know, yeah. Google Google beat out Yahoo because they had more users, right? Not not yeah. necessarily because it was a better tool. Well, chicken or the egg? It was a it was a, the UX. If you remember the UX, the original UX of Google was horrible compared to today, but it was better than Yahoo and Netscape. And so I think mm -hmm. chicken or the egg? They had more users, so they beat them. Uh, and then they just happen to have a better tool or did they have more users because they had a better tool and they're the four, they beat them and they figured out a way to monetize the ad, the advertising block that like overnight rocked them. But I do think there was a superior tool, but I think they had design thinking in mind and a lot of devs, like the category of UX called design thinking. And 
I don't, I don't see this in any crypto project except flow. Honestly, flow is one I need to personally look into more. I knew the first time I read about flow was when NBA top shop kind of popped off yeah, yeah. and I was like, all right, what's backing them? What's doing this? And I thought it was really cool how they were able to integrate that. Anyone could come in and just use a credit card or a debit card. Cause I think yeah. that that's super important in adoption. If people want to buy digital assets, yeah. it can't be that they have to create an account with KYC buy <laughs> Ethereum, transfer that to a MetaMask and then get on. <laughs> something and then buy it, whether it's yeah. rareable or open C. So cutting down on the friction is super important. And when mm. you were just talking about Yahoo and Google and, you know, whether it was the UX or the users or, or the, you know, or the tool, it made me, it reminded me of, I think the documentary, it's called like the last blockbuster. And it just went, Oh yeah. Yeah. It went through the why blockbuster essentially died. And it was really <laughs> interesting to see that blockbuster may have died for two reasons. One, they didn't buy Netflix when they should have for like 30 or $60 million. Yep. They passed up on that, a lost opportunity. But bigger than that, and this is not something that I had ever even thought of because I looked at that. I'm like, oh, well, obviously everyone has home computers. They're just going to stream to their home computers. You know, you think of all the normal, the normal obvious things in your working assumptions. But the reason why that they kind of died was the financial crisis happened and they were over leveraged. Yeah. So they had yeah. no cash flow. And, you know, cash flow is king in a small business. It's what keeps people paid and keeps the lights mm. on and keeps things moving. So it could also be that Yahoo was super over leveraged. And in the and in the late 2000s, when the financial crisis came, they just weren't set up financially as well as Google was to kind of yes. press on and press through during the financial Good hardship point. and take advantage of the fact that people are going to no use debt. Google now to find work and do all these other things. So I, I think when you think about these things, there's like always this behind the curtain financial thing that it's really tough to suss out unless someone like investigative journalist pops it out. So oh, we yeah. have a ton of good comments yeah, here. And if you here. are following I'm actually... us, no, I just want to say, uh, Alyssa Gunn, sorry if I'm butchering your name, make sure you're following not crypto bros. Cause I yeah. love what you're bringing to the table here. And it's you're bringing some you. good heat real quick. I'm going to do the last comment by Roger Williams and then jump to a few back, uh, just because we can touch on this blockbuster thought they were good. They got greedy and comfortable. And I would say this, I, I don't know if, if greedy, it, like I don't often assign greed necessarily because that is a morality claim and it's tough to actually make a morality claim, but I would say an observation about comfortability, what you're saying, Jared, I think this correlates to what Roger's saying and I validate it. And that's this Yahoo was a publicly traded company with TradFi constructs on its ledger. It had debts. It had a whole thing behind it. So we can easily look at the product and go, oh man, look at this Google product. It was superior. It just trounced them. But the truth is, is that might be true. But what you're saying about a, a global market correction affected someone who is entrenched in that global market system compared to the other who wasn't as entrenched at the time. They had early seed money, they, and, and that was a good position to be in because they didn't have all these banknotes and all these other things that when the yen goes down, shit, I'm holding a ton of yen. Google didn't have that. So you're right. There is like a whole management thing going on behind, which I think points to what Roger Williams saying about being comfortable. Roger, I do want clarity on something on this one comment. We have to re-engineer the impact maker first. What does that mean, the impact maker? I'm, I'm super curious about that. Now, do, do you guys, Jared and Jay, I'll pass this to you. Do you agree with Roger that the Internet of Things, I'm sorry, I think he said, oh, it's the goal. Yeah, the Internet of Things is the goal of crypto and blockchain. Do you believe that? Do you agree with that? Jumping into this question. I don't think IoT is the goal because IoT is just a road to get to other things. The goal is something else that's like calling. But at the same time, if I think about when you take a road trip, it's not the destination isn't the goal. So the journey is the goal. And that's all I see IOT being is kind of like the journey. So maybe he's onto something. Jay, Jay, what are well, you thinking? Go ahead, Jay. The, there was this, this news, um, this news article that came out, I think out of Colorado, where they, they were having a heat wave like a couple of weeks ago. And apparently some of the customers there had allowed for their energy provider to have access to their smart thermostat. So it's like, so when they started having the heat wave, the company logged in and turned the temperature down 
um, like made it warmer in there. In their Interesting. With, without them knowing. And then the people couldn't go back and change it afterwards. And the, the whole thing about it, the way that it relates to IoT is like we have all of these smart devices that are these IoT devices. And the, the basically the, the, the commentary from the article was that these devices eventually become this sort of like behavioral trigger you know, whether it's your, your smartwatch or the, the thermostat that, that you can't necessarily control all the time or, you know, your driverless vehicle that only goes at, at, at the speed limit or, or something like that. You know, the, all of these IoT devices eventually take on this air of correcting your behavior. And so yeah. it, in terms of, you know, it, it could be the goal. Like if you think of the fact that we still aren't a hundred percent sure like you know this is like the, the conspiracy section of it we should have had like the the, the, the sound <laughs> enter the conspiracy like, section let's go yeah. where are the aliens yeah okay, so go. like where where does blockchain originally you know where does it originate from the anunnaki if you if you go down the route of saying that it's from <laughs> some type of like you know, agency or government or somebody that's that's in charge, you could see that, okay, well, we need the blockchain to power IOTs and, and IOTs in, in, in turn are just sort of this like community control device type of deal. Anyway, that, so, that, that that's my bit of conspiracy today. No, 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 JJ, it's not conspiracy. I, I, I completely agree with you. So my buddy Jeff, and he's the guy I run Boys and Bowls with, his full-time job is he works as I call him energy czar for a small little town up here in Massachusetts. And what he basically does is he works with the bigger federal government and the local governments to basically figure out how they're going to be able to be more energy sustainable. And he was recently sent down to South Carolina, I believe Charleston, South Carolina. And he went to a conference and two things happened at this conference, which I'm going to bring up because they make perfect sense for not crypto bros. Number one was they were talking about how the future of the U.S. power grid is going to be exactly what Jay has just said, where in order to deal with power surges like they have in Texas when it gets super cold and they're not used to it, they're going to be able to just use IoT and just incentivize people to only turn on their heat on certain hours, essentially. Uh, and remind people, say, hey, if you want to use your heat now, that's fine, but it's going to be twice as much as if you use it at night. I'm simplifying this because we're on the podcast and I want to keep it kind of short. So that was really yeah. interesting. And I, I thought that was interesting. And it is totally IoT and exactly what Roger is talking about. And then the other thing was there was a bunch of people from Texas who had a Bitcoin mining uh, Bitcoin mining thing where they got up and they talked about Bitcoin mining. So Jeff went because we've been mining Ethereum in his house, at least while I was on proof of work. And so he's highly aware of the use of energy, what it takes, all these things. And he basically orange pilled the entire crowd because he got up and he said, like, he <laughs> disagreed with them because they're in, they're in Charleston. This was like a thing with people from all over the country. And Jeff's like, no, the only one who has cheap enough energy to be able to run this is Texas. So yeah. in Texas, you can get energy at like six cents, a whatever, megawatt or gigawatt. I'm, I'm going to butcher the, the actual yeah. amount. But up here in Massachusetts, it's 22. So anyways, Jeff Orange pilled an entire crowd and people had no idea what he was talking about. And he's like, no, the block sizes and the difficulty and all this. And he kind of went kind of went a little uh, orange pill. But I to get back to what the IoT is, the IoT is totally the future. And so I, I do. I'm going to think about this more, Roger. And I love that you've kind of put this out here in the headspace, because I do think that more and more everything is just going to be part of and I want to IoT this. network. So when we were originally introduced to IoT, the first time I thought of IoT, the Internet of Things. Remember, the Internet of Things was prior to blockchain. The Internet of Things was the connectivity of the world. I didn't hear about it back then. There is a local Florida Polytechnic Institute here in Lakeland that was funded by Google and Apple. And it, no one's ever heard of it. It's a very small polytechnic school. And you don't think of Florida, you don't think of these tech schools. But we've got a we got a big one here right in this county. And I met a bunch of students and they were telling me, you gotta check out IOTA. You gotta check out IOTA. And I was like, what? And and that that initially stood for IOTA. And I was like, well, what is this? And they were saying, this is the currency or the micropayments of when a self-driving car pulls up to a gas station and pays for itself. The self-driving car will facilitate that. And you're like, what? 
And there was a ton of different use cases for this kind of distributed network that does micropayments to itself, like even down to, um, like you're saying, the thermostat, there should be micro exchanges going on. And so when Roger points out, the Internet of Things isn't just about these devices. It's about assets at large and their micro encounters because, A, economically, we'll start incentivizing and disincentivize. Remember, economics is also about disincentivizing behavior, right? Like turning off a thermostat when it's like, we can't afford this. So how are we going to disincentivize these things? So it's not only Internet of Things now, especially empowered by the blockchain, isn't just about my thermostat necessarily. It's also about the Internet of Things. The things are also your car and the ownership of your car, your rental, and, and how we talked at one point that we actually believe in a world where people won't own things, they'll have access to things. And the Internet of Things is, is tying that uh, together. Go ahead, please, please. Yeah, this is just a really, really good segue into talking about the ISO 20022 because IOTA or IOTA is part of that. IOTA has been said to be compliant and they're not members of the ISO 20022 yet, it's the, the standards body, but they are compliant. So it totally plays into this larger conversation. And I think that this is something that we should maybe use the last little quarter hour to talk about, which is the ISO 20022, which has recently come out. And I'll just read off the cryptocurrencies Please. that are, so Ripple and XLM, which are kind of like one and the same thing, are members of the ISO 20022 standards body. XDC, MIOTA or IOTA, and Algorand are all compliant. And the ones that are rumored to be compliant, and Grant will enjoy this, Hedera Hashgraph or HBAR, Quant, and finally Cardano ADA. So we can probably dive into this rabbit hole of what ISO 20022, but Grant, before we do that, can you, yeah, exactly, new messaging markup language of the future Swift. Before we do that, and I'm curious, maybe Jay is too, can you talk about how ISO plays a role in your website company as, as part of the regulation or, you know, the framework of something? So, so, so it really, uh, in layman's terms, uh, and I wrote the, I'll actually post this. I don't, I don't like posting a lot of our own comments from the comments. I like featuring everybody else's, but I wrote this down. ISO is a standardization and it's an interoperability standardization of how it's the markup language and by markup it's simply like like if you're like oh, i'm going to design an html html is not a design language it's not a coding language it's a it's a front end markup language it takes other code and displays it messaging markup is kind of the same way it's and and this one in particular um that's great okay uh, uh this one in particular uh is running in a form of xml and xml is just like a globally standardized language set that like any country any coding language can read so it it, it basically facilitates interoperability and already i think i watched a video on this there's over 70 countries which have already implemented iso now where is it relevant why do we care about this because it's swift and some of you might be familiar with the swift group uh, if you will. And Swift is the network. ISO is the language of that network. So Swift is the network for DeFi or for TradFi, for the financial markets, actually. It's both. ISO, the, the updates coming to ISO and its messaging is basically setting up a series of standards that many cryptos, not many, a handful of cryptos already are compatible with but they're setting the standards so that future cryptos can then be standardized into it. So they're giving a roadmap into, into welcoming blockchain and cryptos to work on the SWIFT network. And so the ones that are already established, which you read off, and we should read these off again, because I'm going to propose, at least if not on camera, off camera, that we run a little bag, a little portfolio of of the isos in tandem to some other stuff we're doing because these are the ones that are playing nice with the man and these are the ones accused of being the more centralized ones and it's true because swift is all about safe banking practices and so iso is saying listen if you want to play nice you can play nice as a crypto this uh, people can no longer say the banking system doesn't play nice with crypto they do 
they're they're tasked unless unless you believe in conspiracy theories, which we are all prone to to a degree. There is the man, but that aside, there is a roadmap for a crypto to play nicely and securely with Swift, and it's this messaging protocol, the ISO. Um, so as it pertains to websites, I would just generalize that there are financial transactions that go on with websites and there's messaging that has to go on. So you have to format a transaction on a website so that it talks to Stripe and PayPal and your bank and can get recognized as a valid transaction. Now here's what's badass about crypto. Crypto facilitates this faster and leaner. <laughs> Roger. My man. We're literally, this is the first time we're actually talking about something that the world is finally the regulating, the regulatory bodies are actually excited about. And Roger says we're crypto, we're conspiracy. I mentioned today. the Anunnaki. He, he, hey, if guys, I know, I know. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then he does, let's go back and re-engineer again. Uh, Internet of Things connecting to ISO2, which connects to the blockchain. So this is, and his point is accurate. If you can connect a website to banking, I can be at a farmer's market and swipe your card and a real transaction happen and you pick up a good and walk away with that good. And this is like a pathway into the internet of things that Roger Williams is talking about. Now, if you can do it with blockchain, whatever you're doing anywhere, whether it's, uh, we were talking about who was telling me about, if you, if you own a Picasso and you and your wife get a divorce, you have to decide, you have to sell the Picasso, take the money and split it. But in fractional ownership because of crypto, you both could maintain ownership of that in the divorce and just fractionalize it. And so this isn't just about your thermostat. This is about real things in the real world that are enabled strictly because, and this is a banking standard, but strictly because of this messaging standard and therefore the bag we're talking about facilitating it. You have access to so much stuff, which is why I think Roger's group is so far ahead of their time because he's already touching on this with not just Li-Fi facilitating the, if Swift is the network and ISO 20022 is the language, Li-Fi is the rails on which it runs. So I don't know, Roger, am I missing? You could always correct me on that, but that's kind of my tech, my pseudo pseudo technical background i'm sure engineers and devs are gonna hop on the show and trim me later for being off on some details there i but. think roger just sent you over a contract to be his salesman so check your <laughs> just right. let me know roger i'm gonna sign you <laughs> not crypto bro taking sponsorships right now <laughs> yeah literally sponsored by li-fi um uh, <laughs> jay any any thoughts on what grant just said what are your thoughts have you heard about this iso 20022 standard you know what do you what's your overall take on this no, I actually hadn't heard too much about it. I saw you drop it in the chat, but I, I didn't get to check it out too much. So, well, I, I actually have some questions for you because, like, could, could you tell me a little bit more about what, what it does? I'm familiar with the ISO standards, but how, how does this one connect with blockchain? So we'd have to dive into the weeds, um, but I think it just expands the way blockchains, I think it defines. A standard, a standard is a definition that defines. And I think it upgrades the markup language. So like every now and again, HTML for websites. Let me parallel this to web design. Every now and again, you have to update HTML because someone invented, Google comes along and invents the ability to embed a Google map on your website and someone wants to navigate to your business. But there was no way to render that visually before. And you can embed it but what about actually interfacing with it? So the people governing HTML will go in and recode or add new markup. So now you can add a, a piece of code called O-embed, which is actually what it is. And it allows for you to have a smoother transition to introduce this embed from Google. Google invented something and it's really cool, but no one can see it. So you have to upgrade the markup language. Similarly, we're going to, like in this parallel of Google with HTML, you've got ISO standards, and let's say you've got someone like IOTA uh, or XRP. XRP wants to introduce the ability to allow a couple who are divorcing to fractionalize their real-time art. And 
they, just like Google has a map embed, RxRP is introducing this new feature where you can fractionalize an asset. So you come along and say, okay, there's a Picasso. They officially own it as a couple. They're being divorced and he owns A, 50%, and she owns B, 50%. And now I've got to tell the Swift banking system my that that Steve, that John and Jane have 50% ownership of this million-dollar Picasso. And that information's got to make it to the ledger. So XRP already shows it in the ledger. But we want official banking. John wants to go buy a new house, and he wants to borrow against his fraction of that Picasso. And he really does own it. And so the bank goes, no, that's bullshit. It's on some weird ledger called XRP. They want to deliver that information to the Swift banking, but the Swift banking says, my messaging doesn't have a little code that says fractional ownership. So ISO comes along and says, let me update my database, basically my dictionary of terms that can be submitted. So it is just a standardization and just a vocab list that says, we're introducing a new term. The new term is fractional ownership and the banks go, shit, we'll recognize that from now officially. They'll go to the conferences in Geneva and go, oh, this is some real shit. We've been convinced that that fractional ownership is real. So someone tell me how to legitimize this. Well, the ledger is here, XRP, Cardano, Algorand, Algorand. Like this is legit. And so the banks go, let's look. And so they have all these people do all these background studies. ISO is simply the markup language that says, okay, new standards. Fractional is now official as a term. And so now XRP can now submit that to, this, uh, to the SWIFT banking. So technologically, it's just a dictionary of terms that have been approved by the governing body. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me. I, it's yeah, nuts that it's just a vocab list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 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 reading the the article here, and basically they're saying that they they've added cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Solana, and Ethereum to the other list of global currencies. That, can, that's just a vocab can, list, right? Yeah. If yeah, I, the Japanese won, the, the Thai bot or whatever it is, you know, and then suddenly there's BTC and ETH, you know, there's no Shido Victor. <laughs> <laughs> we had to give Victor his, his shout out once again. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of like a VIP list and you're trying to get into a club. And if you're any one of these then you're going to kind of be let in. So for me, there's never been a stronger buy signal for anything than anything in that article. And Grant, I, I, for some reason, can't ever post in this. I try to always post. So if you, I send it in the private chat if you want to post so anyone oh, yeah, watching yeah, can see. But it's the article that I think Jay is also reading right now. But basically, yeah. all of those cryptos are probably going to be around. Once again, not financial advice. But Algorand, XDC, especially Algorand that's like net carbon or carbon neutral, there's yeah. some real gems on there. And you may want to think mm -hmm. about it. I, XRP was the second crypto I ever kind of got into. And I just loved it because they were trying to mesh the TradFi world with the banking system, with the decentralized finance or the decentralized world with XRP. And they were basically just trying to solve the problem of sending global payments across banks. And yeah. XLM is really the peer-to-peer. -peer, and XLM's all into remittances. Remittances annually is a massive, Stellar massive owned by money. IBM, for those who don't know. It's mm. these things are real. So XLM and XRP are not going to go anywhere and they've been doing really well. And the fact that XRP got in a boxing ring with the SEC and came out pretty much unscathed, in my opinion, was pretty sweet. So yeah, we yeah. are coming down to the last couple of minutes. Do we want to transition here, do shout outs and get ready for Saturday? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to shout out. Uh, actually, this is so rare to do and it seems so campy, but I am going to shout out Jarrett actually for calling out this ISO topic because I sound really informed. <laughs> Boom. Uh, I sound really informed, but I'm not. Uh, I, well, I am by proxy because I know of ISO from web design. When you mention this, I cannot believe in my career as a crypto dude and my career as a web designer, this has not been on my radar at all. So I really do show some love to you for, for teaming on this because I will change my portfolio. I will update my bag distributions. My dollar cost averaging will change because of the conversation we had today. Boom, not financial advice. Jay, you want to go? Uh, man, j just a quick shout out to everybody that keeps showing up. I, I'm, I'm going back and forth, checking all the feeds. we got a pretty big, big room happening today. So shout out to everybody that, that came in and spent some time with us, everybody in the chat over here. We really yeah. appreciate y'all, man. Yeah, yeah. 
Jared, so, shout outs, man. Yeah, I want to shout out uh, Jose Pichardo Eve. He was just on my podcast, More Than Blockchain, episode 42. And he's the one who sent this to me. He sent this thing and it was like ISO tokens, fire. And I was like, ISO, like, is this basketball? Is this like, I'm trying to, you know, ISO my like a one-on-one. He's like, no, check it out. So I clicked on it and I was like, whoa, this is it. This is finally a global governing body body that has to decide into SWIFT payment system that are saying, we like these chains. We like what these projects are doing. They're cool. And I have never, yeah, it was like, literally, thank you so much. Game six. Uh, <laughs> in, in, in my 2-3 zone. Um, I. You know, people are like, what do you think about regulation? I'm like, dude, regulation is just acceptance. It may it's be adoption. a little rough, but it's just saying we're okay with this. Let us create the, the lines in the sand for which you can play with when we take you to That's the right. beach. So I'm fine with it. So I wanted to shout out Jose for coming on. Uh, he he put me onto this and then I was able to share it with you guys, which is great. And so everyone watching, we will be back on Saturday, Saturday. right bright and early. Make sure you're following us on LinkedIn and not Crypto Bros. Go follow us too on YouTube and Twitter because we put up different stuff on platforms where we're still getting used to, you know, posting as three people. So follow us on Not Crypto Bros and we will see everyone um, on Saturday. Thanks everyone. And tell us what you want to hear about and we can explore it as a team. Boom. Thanks everyone. Peace y'all.